Welcome to the latest episode of The Vegan Pod and the final episode of 2022. Jolly holidays to you and yours. Christmas is just around the corner and soon friends and family will be gathering around the table to pull crackers, pop on party hats and tuck into festive treats. And with mainstream restaurants and supermarkets offering up vegan meals and all the trimmings are plenty, there's no need for vegans to fear or missing out on the festive food. While it's highly encouraging that a vegan lifestyle is more accessible than ever, what is it really like to be a vegan at Christmas? And what happens if you're hosting non-vegans? Should you cater to their needs or is it the perfect time to get them to give veganism a go? Joining me on today's episode is co-founder of Saoirse 1875, the UK's first vegan hotel, Sandra McLaren-Stewart, and food blogger, Vegan Olive. Welcome, both of you. How are you doing? Are you in the Christmas mood? Yes, yes. I, I had my first Christmas dinner yesterday. Very nice. Good. And, and what about you, Sandra? I suppose with the hotel, you're probably already knee-deep in it, aren't you? Yeah, I have two different hats so I've got a business hat where it, we are knee deep in it but don't really think about Christmas it's just about everybody else's experience and um yeah so your personal Christmas hasn't started yet no <laughs> <laughs> no let me start by asking you both about your vegan journey, which is uh, where I like to start so vegan olive um I believe it goes way back for you it does go way back, yes. I um, I mean, I was a big meat eater. I came from a family who, um, I'm from Lancashire, and it was a rural area was, was, uh, with lots of dairy farms, and we used to eat, like, roast lamb and chicken and things like black pudding, tripe, um, cow heel. I mean, I, mean I, I think about that now, and I just hate saying that I actually did end up eating it. And in, uh, I watched a TV clip. It was a short clip on television, I think it was in black and white, it's that long ago. And it was about mad cow disease and it showed a, a Frisian cow in, a, in a, um, a pen and she couldn't control her legs. She was falling over and flaying around and she had a wild, mad look in her eyes. And then it, it panned to, um, it was like a big pile of animal parts that they were putting into a, a machine and making cow food. Now, when I was younger, I used to help out on a dairy farm and I knew that cows were herbivores and they ate grass and hay. And I was absolutely, I would, it, it, it shocked me and scared me at the same time because I thought this, this just isn't right. So I, I initially stopped eating red meat. And then it was a gradual process where then I, didn't, I decided I didn't want to eat anything with a face and I never really was keen on, on dairy milk although I used to eat, you know, bits of cheese and some yogurt and things. And the last thing I ever ate before I went vegan was, a, oh, I didn't actually eat it, was a boiled egg. And I'd made boiled eggs for my breakfast one morning. I dipped the toast soldier into the egg yolk and it all came out and run down the side. And I just thought, it turned my stomach. I thought, I just can't eat that. And that's how it started. Do you know, I really love hearing people's journey of veganism. There's usually some common threads in there. Um, and... The egg thing was the same for me. I was about to order poached eggs on toast. I'd given up everything else, given up dairy, been vegetarian for decades. And I was about to order poached eggs on toast in a fancy brunch place. And the waiter came to take my order and I opened my mouth and I just thought, I can't eat an egg. <laughs> and that was it. It was, it was just like a moment like, no, actually, could I have avocado on toast? And that was that. And, and it's really interesting you mentioned um, BSE um, because... I was vegetarian at that point and I remember watching it and thinking 
surely everyone who sees this footage is going to stop mm-hmm. eating meat. And there was also the chicken and salmonella thing. And, you know, it's like, this, this has got to be a, the beginning of a mass turnaround. And, you know, those people too young to remember this, it was all over the news for a really long time. And of course it led to CJD, which, you know, yes. affected humans and killed lots of people. Young people really quickly, you know, died in, in a horrible degenerative way. Um, mm-hmm. And yet, it didn't seem to make a huge amount of difference to our our meat consumption or habits or our thoughts about like you say you know cows are herbivores they shouldn't be eating bits of cows and chickens shouldn't be eating you know bits of chicken and so yes um a a really interesting point to think about how about you Sandra Where, where did your journey start um well like like both of you so I think we're all about the same age um I had been um vegetarian for a long time and didn't really make the connection at first between, I, I mean, I was vegetarian because things I had seen and didn't particularly like the taste of meat, you know, um, and then, but didn't really make that connection between um, dairy. And then one day I did, and I, it was just like somebody turned a light on in my head. Um, and I thought the dairy industry now, I actually think is more important than the meat industry in certain ways. And so it was quite easy to give up dairy, give up eggs, you know. Um, but yeah, it, I, I think veganism's a bit like a rabbit hole. Once you start looking into it, it's, it's a journey and it's a one-way journey because I think once you learn about things and see things whether it's a video or images stuff you you can't turn back yeah I agree when you said a light went on you know I agree with that thing it's once you've been illuminated you can't turn back and it it becomes it becomes never just about the thing that made you do it in the first place it is like you just sort of see everything holistically so you just think about you know the planet and you know all that land being used for dairy and you know what it's doing to the environment and you know you just you feel like this is mad how are people still doing this so Mm. yeah yeah I agree so Christmas is coming (laughs) and it is um, I mean, like I said, I've been vegetarian for many years and, and you know, I, I know you have Olive and you, Sandra, so definitely not been having a turkey on the table for a very long time. But it, it can be a really tough time. It can be a very divisive time, especially if you get lots of um, family members together. Um, what is Christmas like in your household, Olive? Do you, do you have any family traditions and has it always been vegan for, or for a very long time? Has it been vegan? Um... It has been vegan for a very long time. And our Christmases vary sometimes because my husband and I, we sometimes go away because um, we like cruising. But if we're having a typical Christmas at home, it'll be fairly low-key, going, relaxing. Um, I will always try and make something like a Wellington or a nut roast. Although this year, I may be trying um, one of the, like the no turkey alternatives that are available in the supermarkets. Um, family traditions, we like to have a lovely big vegan brunch with like lots of coffee, uh, go for a, a nice walk. Um, even if it's raining, we'll put all the, the waterproofs on because we like walking. And then we have Christmas dinner at about five o'clock in the afternoon. We don't have it at lunchtime, we have it later on in the afternoon. Um, and one of the other traditions is I like watching Christmas films. And if White Christmas is on, I'm there watching that. I, I <laughs> 
Yeah, you've always got to watch one Christmas film on Christmas Day, haven't you? You know, even if actually you're asleep for half of it, it's got to be done. <laughs> what about you, Sandra? Uh, do you know, I think you've just exactly summed up my sort of idea of a perfect Christmas. And what I find really interesting about that is it's nothing to do with food. It's to do with, uh, you know, watching the movies, being together, family. Uh, you know, it's not actually about what we're eating because at the end of the day, if I'm sitting there with all my children and I have a grandchild now, that to me means way more than having to um, think about food and have arguments over food and, you know. Yeah, yeah, I do. I know what you mean, but it is difficult when people have a really rigid. I mean, I've got a very big family. I've got half brothers and sisters and a stepbrother, and my I'm I'm divorced, which means my my children who are grown up now and have children of their own, they have you know their their dad's side of the family, and and I know my daughter hasn't been to her dad for Christmas for a long time because they always have a big bird in the middle of the table and she can't bear it. And so mm. it, I think food can. I mean, maybe not for you two, but it can it can be difficult. It can be divisive. And and also we're big foodies. So if my daughter is doing Christmas, she's the big cook in the family. You know, she wants to make a seitan and she wants to have, um, you know, bread sauce and she wants to have like three different sauces, like so many different things. And it isn't hard as a vegan. And maybe she does that because she wants to make up for if she's serving for non-vegans. She wants to make sure that they haven't missed out on anything. But I, I know it can be difficult. So, Sandra, in your hotel, um, which is fully vegan and people, mm -hmm. I'm guessing, do people come for Christmas for that for that Christmas experience? Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, this year will be um people will start arriving and we have a champagne reception um and then on christmas eve we have a seven course um tasting menu it's it's just an absolute feast and um our chefs are in the kitchen i, I mean it takes months to plan and you know the food is absolutely exceptional um and uh, that's I'm really spoiled because I live in this vegan bubble where I don't really have to consider it. And because now Christmas is about work for me, um, I'm experiencing all this lovely foods. But even before when it wasn't, um, I, I love to cook. I'm a big cook. Um, I, people call themselves foodies, but I think that's about um, experimenting and you know challenging yourself and finding out what's uh, how you could do something differently and I think being a vegan you have to really be inventive in that department you know it's I, I look back now to when I did cook um, for everyone I think life is so easy you know baste the turkey stick it in the oven wait for hours fine nothing to it but when you think about the preparation we have to put into preparing the meal it takes so much more time, so much more effort, I think, personally. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like I say, my daughter does a seitan, which she starts cooking. I've never actually um, plucked up the courage to do one of those. But, you know, you have to do one process and boil it and then you have to let it stand in juice and then you have to roast it. It takes much a lot of hard work. And um, tell me a little bit more about the hotel, because it's not just the food that's vegan, is it? Absolutely everything. You've, you've, you've gone all out. I would say hell for leather. It's amazing how many expressions have non... I've learned this, particularly doing this podcast, how many expressions we use yeah. that are not vegan, but you've gone all out, haven't you? 
Yeah, well, we have tried. I mean, it's an old Victorian building. It was built in 1875, hence the name. And um, so obviously I can't say absolutely everything in the hotel is vegan because I don't know about things like glues and paints and things like that. But certainly since we took over in 2018, everything that we, we've taken out, everything that obviously was non-vegan um, and replaced it with um, a vegan alternative. So uh, we tried to buy everything. We tried to source everything. All our bedding comes from um, a, a organic cotton. It's um, produced in areas where we've got, they've got um, all the proper certification that things have been done properly. Um, right down to the coffee we supply comes from um, an, an amazing coffee supplier that works in all the local communities where they get the beans from. I mean, they've even started using the ship that's transporting coffee from um, where it's produced under sail power, which is just amazing, <laughs> you know? So yeah, we do try really hard. You won't find any leather or feathers or wool or anything like that. Um, Sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah it's it, it it was a challenge at the start but I think it's as people are more and more aware and ask questions it's not so difficult now just to google something and find out how it's produced where it's produced under what conditions and like we even like to consider things like you know is it produced in sweat factories who's mm -hmm. who's making these things and you know like the coffee is, is it is it produced in an environment that we would like to support? Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's very important to us, and we do try. I'm not. I'm not going to say that maybe we've got something there that isn't because there's always some people spot something, <laughs> but we try really hard um, yeah. to make sure that there's nothing in there that would be upsetting. Now, I was going to book to come to your hotel in 2020, which, as we all know, went horribly wrong. Um, yeah. And uh, and then obviously, you know, well, I, I never got round. We never got round to replanning that trip, but we must we must come at some point because it sounds so fantastic. You must. I will. We will. Um, Olive, so you're a food blogger and you've been food blogging for or vegan blogging for 36 years before blogging was even invented. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've been blogging since, I, well, I actually joined Twitter in 2014, which um, my husband actually encouraged me to do because I, I didn't really know many vegans. Uh, and I, I joined Twitter and got a few hundred followers and it's just gone on and on from there. So now I've I, I designed a blog, I review restaurants, Put recipes on there and uh, I like to review products and I sort of I'm a bit like a vegan agony aunt I think people come along and ask me different questions you know how would you do this what would you do with these ingredients how would you deal with this situation that kind of thing or ask me I'm going to a certain place you know maybe I don't know go to Manchester somebody asked me this morning they're going to Manchester where would I suggest going that was a vegan restaurant that kind of thing well, that's a very good question. I was going to ask you where well, I love the idea, by the way, that you're like a vegan agony aunt. That's definitely I like that too. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely something that's needed. And uh, yeah, and 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 very a very sweet idea. I'm going to be coming to you with all my, my vegan woes. Um, so obviously, you know, you've you've eaten broad and wide, uh, and it's difficult to say, you know, where you know 
tell me the you know tell me the best place for people to go and have a nice Christmas meal or something because people are scattered all over the place but where are some standout places for you oh off the top of my head I'm just trying to think of bombs around where I am I mean a lot of the chain restaurants actually quite surprise me with some of the vegan options um one of the best meals I've ever had, though, and it's, this is probably going back about 20 years, was a Christmas dinner at a local independent restaurant where it was a husband and wife team. And they had the chef and I, I, I approached the chef and said, you know, would you be able to cater for me on Christmas Day and make me a Christmas lunch? And he absolutely, he absolutely blew me away when I went. He, he'd made like vegan canapes. He, and I can remember the dishes. It was a Jerusalem artichoke soup. And then he did a, ma- a fantastic main course of uh, nut roast. And then the pudding was a vegan Yule log filled with vegan ice cream with a chocolate sauce. So my advice to people really would be, you know, if you know somewhere local, a local independent restaurant or hotel, or hotel approach them and say to them, you know, what, what could you offer me as a vegan uh, Christmas lunch? That's a really good idea. You know, I, I wish I I wish I did that more. I'm quite embarrassed to do that. And I don't really know why. I'm, I'm always embarrassed. I spend quite a lot of time in France and it's northern rural France. And it's absolutely a vegan drought. Um, you know, it's really difficult to get stuff in supermarkets and that's getting a bit easier. But I mean, eating out is really difficult. And you know, people have said, well, why don't you go and ask? And I mean, I do speak a bit of French, but not a huge amount. So there's that language barrier of going and asking. But I, I, I yeah, I, I, I need to take a leaf out of your book, Olive, and do a bit more asking because I always think, well, if they wanted to do something vegan, they'd have it on the menu. So I don't want to ask them. They'll think I'm being difficult. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of places, I think I think they need a bit of inspiration from, say, from my side. I mean, I've done so many, I've done so much letter writing in the past because obviously when I went vegan, you didn't have email, you didn't have internet or anything like that. And I used to write letters to places if we were travelling somewhere and... I'd write a letter to the chef and I'd say, you know, I don't eat this, but I can eat that. And you could make something like this or you could make something like that. I have had some pretty awful meals. But <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> on, the, on the whole, you know, some you do get a lot of chefs and they, they see it as a challenge to produce something, that to make something out of things that, you know, that take away all the favourite things like the butter, the cream, you know, the meat stocks, things like that. So I, I say to people don't be frightened of asking I think that's the thing and well there you go I, I need to be a bit bolder hand, yeah on the other hand I will also say that don't accept something if you don't think it's you know it's not suitable or it's not good enough as well and I'd like to add thank goodness we're moving out of the the realms of going to a restaurant and they make it vegan by taking an egg off it infuriates me yeah. and and you know Quite recently, for my husband had a big birthday, so I took the whole family to a two-star Michelin restaurant in Edinburgh, and I phoned them up. I said to them, like months in advance, there's six of us, there's eight of us coming, there's two veggies and six vegans, can you cater? Yes, that's not a problem. I, you know, I checked the week before we're coming, it's not a problem. They actually served the vegans the same dishes as the veggies, but without the cheese on it, without the egg on it, to Michelin star. Yeah, it's it's unacceptable. Yeah, I wrote to them afterwards and I said, look, it's it's not even about the price. It's about the laziness. It's about the fact that you knew for weeks you accepted my booking. 
you should have at that point said to me no I don't want to do it and then we would have said I, I mean I was two thousand pounds for this meal and I looked at one of my son's plates and his is dripping in cheese and butter and cream and I've got the same thing which is just a vegetable you know I agree. My experience of going to non-vegan top quality dining has always been disappointing. Exactly the Mm. same as you say. It's Mm. always just some vegetables. There's never any thought to what the um, kind of protein in it might be or, you know, it's always stuff taken Mm. away from it. It might look fancy. Um, Mm. But I mean, we're very I'm in Birmingham and we're very lucky here because we have a a really good sort of high quality restaurant called Land that does um, tasting menus. And it's all, you know, exactly as you would think you'd get if you went to Michelin star. But obviously it's all vegetarian and vegan and and it's just so beautifully put together. But you're right. It's the laziness and it's the sort of ignorance. It's the idea of, oh, well, all all a vegan person wants is just not to eat those things. So I'll just give them something without those things. Not Mm. that they want a really delicious dining experience. You know, I I agree entirely. Um, I'm interested Olive because you mentioned going on cruises for Christmas now again Mm -hmm. I've not actually ever been on a cruise anyway but I think if I was going to go on a cruise especially at Christmas my first thought would be well what you know I'll be stuck I'll be stranded be like being on a desert island and if the vegan food isn't good or if there isn't any you know you're in trouble Um, what's the vegan food like on cruises especially at Christmas Vegan food on cruises is improved immensely. I mean, I, I, I wasn't vegan when I went on my first cruise. That was in the 1970s with my parents. But the actual first cruise I ever did as a vegan was in 1999. And what you find these days is, is that they, they have plant milks on board. They've, they've got vegan menus. They do like vegan cakes. It's an, it's an ever-evolving thing. Every time I go on a cruise, things have changed. And... They have vegan margarine, vegan cheese. They have diet chefs where you can meet at meetings and discuss what you want. And then you, you can pre-order the night before if you, you want. And then they have vegan options on the, um, the menus as well. So it, it's a lot better now than it was. And ever continuing improving on cruises, definitely. That's good to hear, because for a lot of people, they do want to get, if they can afford it, they do want to get away at Christmas. But obviously, you still want to make sure you're having lovely food. Um, Let's talk about what's on offer in the supermarkets, because I always find, um, you know, sort of come the beginning of December or end of November, you know, I find myself sort of starting to Google or look on vegan Facebook pages to see what people are saying is, is on offer and some supermarkets do it better than others or you know they'll come up with something that you could buy to have on on the day do either of you have any sort of favorites that are um you know that you think oh yeah they do it well you know any tips for for christmas food from that's available in the shops uh I, I, personally i think aldi are doing quite, quite a good job actually but I, I think all the supermarkets are i think really i mean i think nowadays bizarre as it might sound it actually makes it difficult to decide what to buy because there's so many vegan products there. There's so many, you don't know which one to choose. I think you're right, actually. I think everyone's certainly making sure they're doing something, aren't they? You know, and then and then you get uh, what I find is um, last year, Marks and Spencers did a vegan panettone that was absolutely delicious, as did Co-op. This year, that doesn't look like they're doing it. So I've, I've been relying, I've been expecting that, not available. So I'd have to go somewhere else. So I suppose that... I need to go to Aldi. They, they, apparently they do panettone, I think. Do they? Okay. Mm. All right, I'll look for that. And I guess for you, Sandra, you're in that luxurious position of having everything from scratch, aren't you, in the hotel, I'm guessing? 
yeah <laughs> yeah we do yeah everything's cooked uh, yeah everything well within reason obviously we do sometimes we do use some vegan cheeses um only because we neither have the we don't have the storage conditions suitable to make our own cheese and we don't have the manpower to turn it around because obviously it's quite labor intensive time intensive and um, storage is the other big thing. So we do buy in some cheeses, um, which are starting to really step up to the mark. Um, but that's about the only thing I could think that we really buy in as, as a sort of standalone thing that you could just eat, you know? Um, we tend not to go down the route of meat substitutes, only because I think when people come to us, they can get all that stuff readily available from supermarkets. Um, and so they want a more luxurious experience, knowing that something's been come in in a raw state and we've created something from it, you know? That's so, a good point. And, and lots of vegans won't touch a meat substitute. Um, yeah. I, I'm always surprised about that. I mean, I've had somebody return um, a mushroom dish because they felt it was too meaty and they couldn't eat it. I suppose if, if texture is your thing, which I mean, texture was my initial thing that stopped me wanting to eat meat. And that was as a child, it was just, an in, I just didn't, couldn't bear anything meaty in my mouth. And my mum had this endless battle with me because of course, you know, it was the sixties and seventies and, you know, she, you know, if you didn't have meat with a meal, then you were probably going to die, you know? So she was constantly trying to find ways of getting meat in me. And, and the things I would eat would be things like spam because of course, you know, you think, I think <laughs> horrifies me now, but of course it's got no sort of, texture to it really and mm. and uh, you know corned beef maybe or you know that very sort of processed slight you know those sliced things that have got a face on which is horrible like stuff like that um I know awful oh I'm sorry the faces you're pulling I, I hate myself for saying it but because it didn't have any kind of meaty texture and it didn't look like an animal so I think there were two things going on I couldn't bear the sight of a you know a leg of lamb or something on the table even as a small child it just mm. looked it just looked macabre it was like you know the bone sticking out of it but also it was the texture so I suppose I could understand someone feeling like a mushroom was had a texture they, they but I, I hear what you're saying I, I think I think it's good to have as broad a, a palette as you can when you're when you're a vegan and, and like as many different things as possible so um, sorry sorry I, I was just going to talk because you picked up there about the disassociation of what you're actually eating you know because I think certainly nowadays we do get people that are food interested in foods, but then we get there's there's lots of the population are only interested in um, the nutrition side of food. They just want to eat. They're not particularly interested in cooking it or its provenance or anything else. You know, they just want it to taste nice. And if it tastes nice, it doesn't really matter what's in it. And I think for lots of people now, certainly younger people they don't even know what part of an animal they're eating when they're eating things you know you go to a supermarket and it's all on nice white trays I mean I guess we were all brought up you were brought up on a farm and we were brought up with butchers and I certainly lived a long time in Spain where there's a huge you know you go to the local market you buy certain cuts of meat or fish or whatever um, but we don't really have that in this in this country and I find that people just disassociate they look at a sausage they don't think of a pig 
you know um and I, I, it, it's a good point but I suppose Christmas is the time that really brings that home with the big sort of turkey on the table isn't it you know that is mm. the time and then and then you've got you know films like Chicken Run or Babe or you know other films that have got animals at the center of them on tv at the same time as people have got this bird on the table it there it there is still that that disconnection I mean, you two sound like you're both in quite a lucky position with your families and obviously, you know, with you with the hotel, um, Sandra, would you um, would you cater for non-vegans if you, you know, do you have family members who, you know, you know, old auntie Betty who, you know, just won't have Christmas unless she has, you know, a bit of turkey or something or would have you ruled that out because I mean I think it is really difficult for people it can be Christmas can be divisive enough as to who you spend it with and how much time you spend and then with the food issue as well for vegans I personally would not cook any meat for anyone if I I, I just feel if I'm making the effort and then people sh should come because they want to come it doesn't you know the I'd be most offended if somebody called me up beforehand and said, and what are you serving me? You know, because as a vegan, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't go to somebody else's house. Um, if they invited me, I would think that they would cater for me. I wouldn't phone them up and say, but you are going to cook me vegan food. Mm. And, you know, so no, I wouldn't, I'm, I'm not cooking non-vegan for anyone. Um, what, what about you, Olive? Definitely not. No, I, I could not handle or cook any kind of meat. And what I try to do when I invite people around is I want to go all out and try and make an impressive meal that people sit there and think, is this, is this vegan? Because people have a, a perception of what vegan food is. I don't I think, I think we just eat like plates of vegetables and salad. So I always want to impress with whatever I make so that then they might go somewhere and go to a restaurant and think oh I'll try the vegan option or I'll try the I'll buy the vegan product instead of the meat product you know give it a try and see what they think and it's it, you know that can put ideas into people's minds and they can you know maybe they might go flexitarian and then they'll be on the road to veganism it, it's all those kinds of things really trying to show people that you don't need turkey at Christmas and that there are alternatives yeah I mean I, I think we're all it sounds like we're all quite lucky because I do know people who have real struggles in their family. I mean, just even with having a non-vegan partner or non-vegan children, you know, can be, um, you know, problematic. It can be problematic anytime. But then I suppose when it comes to Christmas and there's this sort of sacred idea for some people around pigs in blankets and, you know, those sorts of things, it can be, it can be really difficult. Um, um, I want to talk about, um, vegan gifts um do people struggle to buy you presents as a vegan do you get non-vegan gifts are there places that if people say to you what do you want for christmas would you sort of point them in direction of, of a, a particular place that was good to buy non-vegan gifts because i mean pres presents at christmas are often things they might be you know toiletries or well all sorts of things you know hat and scarf or anything that might be non-vegan uh, well, interestingly enough, actually, I mean, where, where I'm living at the moment, I, and I've not been here long, our neighbour came round the other day and brought me a bottle of um, Bailey's liqueur, which obviously I, I, I'm not going to drink it, so I'm going to I'll pass it on to somebody else. I think in, in days gone by, it was difficult for people, particularly 
as you were mentioning there about toiletries, things like confectionery and chocolates and things like that, where labeling wasn't great back in the day, but nowadays, you know, there's vegan chocolates, toiletries and makeup and things like that. There's a lot better labeling. So people are, are better capable of buying you something that you actually will like, but also agrees with your vegan lifestyle as well. Yeah, and I think also if you go online, the, you, the, the chances, the opportunities to buy from a, a solely vegan outlet as well are, are there. You just, you know, and they'll have every kind of gift covered. So, yeah, I don't think it's a big problem for anyone. Again, I think it goes back to that whole thing. If somebody's chosen me a gift, it's more important to me that they've spent time thinking about who I am and what I would like rather than just ran into Marks and Spencer's and grabbed a hat and scarf off the shelf, you know? Um, yeah. And that that's, and, and on that note, I'd like to say that where possible, people should always support the 100% vegan business. Um, sadly, last week we saw the demise of the vegan kind supermarket mm. because they can't compete now with um, supermarkets bringing out their own vegan ranges. And I know there's an argument because you have to move your business on, you have to see these things coming. But at the end of the day, I, I, I kind of, I always try and support the vegan business. If, if there's two cafes, one's vegan and one's got vegan options, I always go to the vegan one. I don't, I wouldn't go for the vegan options one, you know, um, just because it's important to me because I run a vegan business. So no, I think you're right. I think, you know, and like I say, I'm based in Birmingham and we've seen some really great vegan businesses, you know, uh, have to close in the last couple of years. And it is really sad to see. And I think a lot of that is because there are great options and it's a real dichotomy, you know, because we want there to be options everywhere. We want it to be easy for people to be vegan. And yet, mm -hmm. if everyone's doing great vegan food, then the solely vegan places are, you know, are going to struggle to compete. Um, so after Christmas, I don't like to think about after Christmas now when we haven't even had Christmas yet, but January will come. January cometh, whether we like it or not. And of course, Veganuary. Last year, uh, 625,000 people globally signed up. The organisers are expecting even more interest this time round. What would you say to somebody who's thinking of giving veganism a go? Um, you know, maybe they're already thinking, right, after the Christmas blowout, I'm going to give Veganuary a go where would you suggest they start olive definitely veganuary um and also the vegan society actually um i mean they were a massive help to me when i went vegan i, used, I remember i used to have the animal i don't know if you two remember the animal free shop a little book that they used to do and it used to always be in my handbag checking things and products um the vegan site in veganuary you know they're full of information you know like nutrition how to cope in situations like Christmas, going to people's houses, what to do, um, the health side of it, you know, just everything, anything you need to know, you can find from the veganuary, from recipes um, and information. It, it's, and it's all online as well, which is, you know, it's easy to access as well now. What about you, Sandra? Yeah, I, I, do you know what? I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd just say the same. Try and be adventurous, you know? Just, it's, it's about planning, isn't it? And I think, yeah, once you have a family, you then get used to that planning aspect. You plan meals, you have to plan a shop. And 
you know, you look at a cookery book and you think, oh, well, I need this, this and this, you know. Um, but then there's lots of people out there that don't have that degree of planning in their life because maybe, you know, maybe, yeah, for different reasons. Um, but yeah, I think it's about planning. I think you have to think about what you're going to eat for the week and then shop accordingly and you've got the stuff there, you've got what you need. You're not searching around or looking, opening cupboard doors and thinking, what can I do? Beans are vegan. Oh, there's toast. I'll have that. Because you soon get bored. You do, yeah. You know? And then it, then it feels hard and it's something you give up. It's I always say to work. people as well, look to cuisines and cultures that naturally have vegan food rather than trying to make something, you know, that is very non-vegan, vegan. So, you know, I always say to people, you know, Thai food is great. You know, any culture mm. where they naturally don't have much dairy and they also have quite a lot of vegetarian stuff sometimes there may be just egg in it that you you know you might have to adapt and there are so many recipes online but I think that's a really good tip Sandra as well about planning because that's definitely the thing shop like it's the pandemic I thought it got me pandemic shopping got me into really good food habits because you'd have to plan for the week you only went once a week um yeah. you know and you'd have to really plan what are we going to eat this week because we don't want to keep going back to the supermarket which was I found very stressful um during the pandemic um yeah so I think uh, I think that those are really good tips and I and my other tip to people would be um is uh, anything that has minced meat in you can make it with uh, green lentils that's what I'd always say <laughs> so you could easily do a chili or a bolognese or a shepherd's pie I mean that's that's one week of veganuary catered for so yeah I always say that to people well listen it's been an absolute pleasure to have you both on the vegan pod this week um I wish you both very uh, hearty Christmases, um, uh, lovely vegan Christmases, and um, and yeah, just a, just a lovely time. So big thanks to our guests, Saoirse, eighteen seventy five founder Sandra McLaren Stewart, and food blogger Vegan Olive, who you can find on Twitter at Vegan Olive, where you can find all her latest reviews, recipes, and a link to her blog. Um, and if you like the sound of the vegan Christmas at Saoirse, eighteen seventy five, you can find out more information at saucerhotel.com or follow their Facebook page and we'd love to know what you think about being a vegan at Christmas if you'd like to let us know your thoughts on today's episode you can email us on podcast at vegansociety.com or follow us on Twitter at vegan society or Instagram at the original vegan society or on Facebook that's it for this year we'll be back for another episode of the vegan pod in 2023 so if you've enjoyed the discussion today don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode merry christmas both merry christmas. thank you merry christmas, merry christmas. Thank you.